You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. so much for joining us on this evening. Again, this is the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth, and I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. And I pray that 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 God has kept you and he's shown his hand to still be mighty in your life since the last time that we've met. And I'm just I'm just grateful to God today. I'm just grateful that through every situation and circumstance, he has shown up and he's shown himself himself to still be my Lord, my Savior, and my Deliverer. He has shown up and let the world know that he looks out, not just for me, but for you. Not that he cares for just me, but he cares for you. Not that he just strengthens me, but he strengthens you you. My mind is intact. My senses are intact. God knows my heart is intact and I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful that God is showing himself to be God. And that's why I like to move out of his way, move out of his way and let him work. Why? He said that he would fight for us. Nowhere have I found that he will fight with me. So I sit down, I cross my legs and I don't even attempt to stand because if I attempt to stand and my legs are crossed, notice I'm going to trip and I'm going to fall. So I have to deliberately make a decision to uncross my legs and get out of the seat that God has placed me in and decide to fight my battles. And I choose not to. I choose not to. I sit in my seat with my legs crossed and I wait patiently. I wait patiently as Rebecca did. I wait patiently in my position, in my place for God to instruct on what he will say to me. I wait for what he will say to me. I wait for what he will say to my enemies. I wait for how he will act, how he will act toward my enemies. Come on, we have no need to fight, but we do have need to let God, let God fight our battles. Let God fight your battle. He said that he would fight for you because all the glory has to go to him. Now, if you're going to get up and fight, if you're going to get up and fight, God is not going to. You must stay seated. But if you're going to get up and fight, I said again, if you're going to get up and fight, God is not going to. He said, I will fight for you. All the glory has to be his. It has to be God's. He must have all the glory. He must have all the praise. He must have the final say. He must have the final say. Now that's extra. That ain't going to cost you nothing. Come on, that's not going to cost you nothing. Get over the Luke 8 and we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Go to Luke 
ate. Now, that's just, that was just a little bit of an appetizer there. Let's get to what God is saying today. Now, let me just pause real quick and let me see how many of you out there remember the station identification. I'm giving away my age, but that was a time when television did not stay on the entire night. You all remember that? It, it would go off, I guess, maybe around midnight or so and come back on maybe about 6 o'clock in the morning or so. And they would have this round circle and they have all these images in it. And it says, we must pause by, for station identification. And then you heard the log. You saw the line going across the screen and there was, that was the time when the station paused to make sure that their broadcast could be heard and the different places that they were broadcasting. They wanted to make sure that they could be heard and that their listeners could indeed watch the programs that they had available to them because they wanted to secure their relationship with their listeners. And because we didn't have the technology that we have today, day they would pause for the station identification where they would tap technology wise the that, that limited technology they would tap every one of their broadcast systems with this beep and it would give them the feedback you know give them the feedback it's like pinging the pinging that pinging a, a station and to, to to make sure that the signal was clear and then the station would send the signal back saying okay yes we can hear you okay yes we heard the beep so we had they had to do that to make sure that their relationships their relationships were intact with those they wanted to communicate with. They had to make sure you all remember that, the station identification. So that's what today, that's pretty much what we want to talk about, station identification. And I'm going to, we're going to go through and we'll break down station and we'll break down identification and we'll get to the root of what God is trying to say to us today. So in Luke 8, in Luke 8, verse 10, and I'm looking at the NIV version, and it said, it says, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. It has been given to you. Say that the secrets of God have been given to me. The secrets of God have been given to me. But then I see here, but... But, Luke 8 and 10, but, but to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. So what God has given to me to understand, what God has given to me to see, he doesn't give it to everyone. What God has given to you, he does not give, and give to everyone. So then the question becomes, well, then what is seen, what is heard, and what is understood? What is seen, what is heard, and what is understood? Stood. We're talking about station identification tonight. We are pausing. We are pausing for station identification tonight. And here we see in Luke 8 that God is telling, uh, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, for you, 
for your for my disciples, for those that I'm in relationship with, I I'm I I give it to you to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to the multitude, to the many, and there's so many, I don't get I speak to them in parables. I tell them a story. Why? Because in seeing they may not see and in hearing they may not understand so i don't give it to everyone to understand i don't give it to everyone to understand now i'm going to skip down and then i'm gonna come back up but if i go down to luke 8 and 20 right if i go down to verse 20 someone told him your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you he replied my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and who put it into practice. And I'm reading in the NIV version. My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and those who put it into practice. Now, remember, we just read verse 10 where he said, I give it to some to know. To know, I give it to some to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to others, mm -mm. I speak to them in par parables so that seeing they may not see and so that hearing they may not understand. And then I begin to ask the question, well, then if if they're if God doesn't give it to them to hear and to understand, then what exactly are they seeing? What exactly are they hearing? What exactly are they understanding? And I'm going to keep on going and I'm going to break that down for us because he said that those who are his mothers and his brothers, they put his word, they hear his word and they put it into practice. And so that leads me to believe that they, the, uh, verse 10, where it says, those seeing, they see not and hearing, they, they do not understand. But he's saying, my mother and my my brothers are those who put it into practice. It leads me to believe that those that do not put it into practice, he doesn't give them the ability to see. He doesn't give them the ability to hear. See, God, see, I'm, I'm, get, I'm going somewhere. I, I see here where Jesus doesn't waste his time on people who don't do. I see here where Jesus doesn't waste his time on those that do not put into practice what he's said their ears don't even hear they can't even understand because he doesn't even give it to them because they don't put it into practice so that tells me that they had to have shown at one time or another that he did share with them but they didn't do anything with it so he stopped sharing with them so he stopped sharing with them so now they hear they see but they, I mean, they, let me say, let me go back to the, to the verse exactly. So now they see, they see, though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they don't understand. I want to say it exactly. I want to say it exactly. Why? Because only his mothers and his brothers are those who do the will of God. And those are those that put it into practice. They are the doers. They are the doers. So, so what is putting it into practice? Now I'm going back. Luke 8, 17 and 18. He says this, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known 
or brought out into the open. And I'm reading it to the NIV version. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully how you listen. How you listen. Because whoever has, they're going to be given more. Whoever does not have, even when they think they do, it's going to be taken from them. It's going to be taken from them. The King James Version says it like this, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither is anything hid that shall not be known or come abroad. Verse 18 says, Take heed how you hear. So you're in charge of how you hear. Jesus only stopped, Jesus only began to give parables when you decided, when they decided, when we decide that we don't want to take heed how we hear. We don't want to take authority or control over how we hear. See, he puts it in our, in our decision. He puts that in our decider, as it were. He puts it on us. We must make that decision. It says in verse 18, take heed, therefore, how you hear. You decide. You decide. So then it tells me right there that if I go back up to verse 8 and 10, someone made a decision, made a decision not to see, not to see, even though they're looking right at it and they made a decision not to, not to understand, even though they had the ability to hear. Do you understand? Do you understand? See there, there, what I'm doing right now is I'm explaining to you where the onus lies, where the onus lies for the relationship with God. It relies on, on us. He said, my mothers and my brothers are those who hear and those who practice or those that do. So practice and do are action words. They're action words that we cannot execute if we decided not to hear. They're action words that we cannot put, that we cannot implement if we've already decided not to hear. Because if you're showing, if you've shown God that you, if you've shown to God that you yourself do not want to hear, then he's talking to you in a parable. He's talking to you in a parable. It reminds me a little bit of the Charlie Brown cartoons when they would, you always remember, and a lot of people remember this when the teacher, when they showed the teacher on TV and you hear, want, 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 that's what you hear. So that, so that seeing, you won't see. So that whatever you hear, you won't understand. It makes absolutely no sense to you. And that onus is not on the speaker. That is not on me if you choose not to hear me. You made a decision and God speaking to you in a parable, you hearing want, want, want every time I talk, that's you who have made a decision not to hear. So I'm talking to you in a parable because hearing, seeing, you're not going to see and hearing me, you're never going to understand. Not because I chose it, but because you chose, but because you chose. So we must understand that when God has given us a speak or a do, the onus is on us 
whether or not we speak or we do. And the onus on, is on the hearer or the doer if they hear what we've said or if they do as God has instructed us through them to do. The onus is on them. Our only onus is that we speak and we do God's word because when we speak and we do God's word, he says here, I will give you more. Now you, you can be trusted with more. But if you've decided not to hear because the onus on you, the decision is yours. If you want to hear or not, then no, then no, you are, we are not in relationship. We're not mother, brother, father, sister. We are not in relationship. And as I said earlier, so then it comes down to what exactly are you hearing? What are we seeing? What are we understanding that God has given us the ability to see and to hear and to do? But we choose, as the word says, to cast those pearls on swine, give those give our godly words to people that we can clearly see have no intention of hearing or of doing or of doing or of doing see it comes down to are we listening are we listening or have we chosen not to listening here in the greek is akayu akayu are we listening did we choose to attend to did we choose to consider what has been said this is what listening means in the greek did we choose to understand did we choose to perceive what has been said what is being said what is the evidence of this our door our action our door or our action we must stop ignoring the actions of others. We must stop ignoring the practices of others. Stop ignoring it and continuing down this same road where we're constantly repeating, repeating what God has given us and, and repeating and sharing when in truth it's been proven that they are in, they are here and only in parable form. They are hearing only in parable form. See, if listening properly, you can see as well. See, listening activates my ability to see. Hearing activates my ability to see. Hearing activates what I heard activates my ability to see. Why? What's in between there? Faith. What's in between there? Faith. It is, it is what am I listening my listening carries those words to my eyes so that I can see. Faith, faith, faith picks up what I heard and carries it to my eyes so that I can see what is unseen. So that I can understand what should be understand, what should be understood, what should be understood. Listening properly activates seeing. What is carrying what I heard? To what I see, my faith, my faith. One cannot do one without the other unless it is your intent, unless it is your intent not to see or not to believe what you see. That must be your intent. 
That must be your intent. There is no way my, my seeing cannot be activated by my listening unless my faith is off. Just shut down, shut off. I have made a conscious decision not to listen, not to believe what I see. So I keep having conversations with people who are not having a conversation with me. I'm having one-sided conversations. I'm having one-sided conversations. Listen to this. John says it like this. They went out from us, but they really did not belong to us. He says this in John, first uh, John two and 19, they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going, they're going, their action, their actions tells us that they didn't be long to us. It tells us their action will tell us what we are in relationship with their actions. People around you, their actions will tell you what you are in relationship with. It will tell you if you're willing to see, if you're willing to hear, if you're willing to understand the English standard version says it like this. They went out from us, but they were not of us for if they had been with us, uh, been of us, they would have continued. They would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain. That might be plain so that it could be clear so that it could be clear that they are not of us. So what are we seeing? What are we seeing that we're having one-sided conversations? What are we seeing that we're okay with having people around us, having people say that they're with us, that we're in one-sided conversations with? They've made a decision and we know this by their actions because there are none they don't understand. They cannot hear. Seeing, they see not. Hearing, they do not understand. So we are very clear because, and then to, to finalize it, we see their actions align. There are none. There are no godly actions. So we understand that they're definitely hearing a parable. They're definitely hearing a parable. And, 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 and it's just, it's amazing to me the time, the time that we will spend the time that we will spend having a one-sided conversation and then get mad when we don't see the return. Some of us been having one-sided conversations for years, for years, for years, and we've seen no spiritual return. And we still keep having that one-sided conversation. See, John here, he's describing the traits of those that are not of Christ as those who went out from us, were not of us. They claimed, they claimed to be believers, but they were not. He is exposing for us the actions of the non-believer. And he's exposing that their actions do not align with their words. It does not align with their words. Their words are hollow. Their words are empty. Their words are without understanding. 
because seeing they see not hearing they do not understand see john he explains the why if they had been with us they would have continued with us he uses the idea of continuing to reference a relationship that is ongoing a relationship that does not stop no matter the circumstance or the situation but it allows it allows this relationship, it allows the circumstance or the situation to strengthen it. It allows the situation or the circumstance to mature it. See, a relationship, a relationship is one that, that over time, over time, there's going to be ups and downs. I'm not talking about the ups and downs, the ins and outs of relationship, what we go through to learn each other's personalities or learn how one another works. I'm not talking about that type of relationship. I'm talking about the individual relationships with God. The individual relationships with God will tell you a whole lot about their relationship with you. It will tell you a whole lot. See, much like fellow believers, trials of life, they enhance our relationships with each other. They do not strain. They should not strain the relationships to the point of demise. Our relationship, there should be nothing that no situation that Christ can put you in if you are in a relationship with him that should bring your relationship with him to a demise. That should end your relationship with him because you didn't like something he did. If you were truly in a relationship, you understand the making and the breaking that, that makes it, that solidifies it, that solidifies it. It shouldn't bring it to demise. It shouldn't make the relationship over. It shouldn't make it over. Why? Because it's built on Jesus Christ and anything that's built on Christ, that's built in Christ, it lives and it breathes in him. It lives and it breathes in him, which means it can't die. It can't die. And of course, of course, unless it wasn't founded in Christ, that's a thing. That's a thing. It could not be found in Christ. It could, it could, its foundation could, could have never been in Christ. It's a thing. We make those mistakes. Some relationships are established out of our flesh. And then when we realize it's established out of our flesh, or out of our immaturity, then we won't, we don't know how to let it go. We don't know when we should let it go. We don't know, we don't, we, we, we at times will let that relationship hold us, hold us in its death grip. Hold us in its death grip till we are nearly, till we are nearly gasping for breath before we'll let it go, before we'll let it go. When we knew for years, seeing it did not see, hearing it did not understand, but we held on to it. We kept the one-way conversation going. We kept the one-way conversation going. Think on it, we are gonna keep on talking. Those who did not last in the faith particularly, and especially those who claim to be leaders in a church, but turned against God and it's evident by their chosen lifestyle and by their choices that they are literally against Christ. They are literally antichrist, antichrist. I see it today on social media. 
I see leaderships that leadership that has made an about face. Today I'm a man, tomorrow I'm a woman. Today I'm holy, tomorrow I'm a whore. Today I'm single, tomorrow I'm the fornicator. I could even be the adulterer. We we skip. We 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 go through different phases. One person 18 different personalities. We don't know what they're going to be from day to day, but we'll tune into them on social media when they show up with their spouse, male and male. Yeah, we, we see you. We see you. We see you. We see you. We as Christians, we as Christians, we tolerate a whole lot. We tolerate a whole lot. And if we're not careful, we will make null, we will make null and void the very power of God, the very power of God. John adds, John says, but they went out that it may be become plain that they were not of us. So if they go outside of, if they go outside of what we as Christians know to be truth, they have made it plain that they are not of us, which means they no longer, they no longer earn our attention. They no longer earn our time. They no longer earn our words, our energy, our money. We waste no time. We waste no time with that that has set itself in opposition to God. We waste no time with that. So let's not ignore what has been made plain before us. The abandonment of faith offered as proof and evidence that these false teachers were never believers. First John 2, 22 to 23. Let's not abandon what they, not only the truth of God, but don't abandon the evidence of those who are making it plain that they are no longer a part of the body of Christ. There is evidence of the differences with those who were and who have been anointed. There's evidence that they're false teachers, false believers, that they do not have God's spirit with them. They do not know the truth. They denied Christ. They deceived, they deceived others. Let's not ignore the evidence. I submit to you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we at times need to become forensic scientists. Let's dissect this thing. Sometimes you have to pause and dissect what identification, we're talking about station identification, we have to pause and dissect what is not only in and around you, but what is claiming to be of Christ. But it is clear they are not dissect that thing and get to the root of it get to the root of it because we still are following these things online i see you we're still following these things online we like love listen everything and see social media has made it so easy to hide behind what we're listening to and what we're looking at but i'm telling you i see your door is broken and because your doer is broken, that tells me that you're taking in something that is not of God. That is not of God. Your, our ranks are so easily infiltrated and influenced by non-Christians. 
because we're accepting of those who have no desire to follow Christ because we're so needy of attention and platforms as if as if having the one and only true and living God isn't enough isn't enough we need to know the company that we are keeping we need to be clear in our ranks of the company that we are keeping we not only need to examine ourselves but we need to examine what is around us and what says they are of us we need to examine it christianity at times can can it's just so weak so weak you were making god look weak and pitiful we're making god look weak we are rendering the name of jesus christ powerless because we won't examine to see what is and what is not of the faith and call that thing call that uh male female thing it that it and and the call it out and shut it down and be okay be okay with not following the crowd. Know the company that we keep. Know who is around you. Let me give you an example. Genesis 12. Genesis 12. Let's think about this. Genesis 12. Genesis 12 and 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. This is what he said unto Abram. I want you to get thee out of your country and from your kindred. And I want you to get away from your father's house. And you're going to go to a land that I'm going to send to you. I'm going to send you to. I'm going to send you to. I'm sorry. Go to a land that I'm going to show you. You're going to go to a land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you where you're going to go. And he told Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And I am going to make your name great. I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. And you're going to be a blessing. He is talking to Abram. The Bible tells us, Abram. We didn't hear anybody else's name. He's talking to Abram. One-on-one -on -one conversation. And then God moves a little bit. He expands the conversation. He's still talking to Abram, but he expands the conversation. He went in verse 3 when he says, And I will bless them. I will bless them. Uh -huh. I will bless them that bless thee. So he's basically saying, and now about anyone else, about everyone else, I will bless them that bless thee. But he's still talking to one Abram. They're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And he says, and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Circled right back around to Abram. I'm going to, I'm going to, he started talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. I'm just talking to you one-on-one -on -one about you. Now I'm talking to you one-on-one -on -one about everybody else, right? And then he circled right back around all the families of the, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Circled right back around to Abram. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. I'm in verse four and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 uh yeah, 75 years old when he departed out of Haran and he took with him Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and Abram took he took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son he took those whom he believed 
to himself to be in relationship with and all their substance that they had gathered and all the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went forth to go into the place, to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan, they came. Abram took Sarah. Abram chose to talk to take Lot, his brother's son, his nephew. Abram chose to take all the souls, all the souls that they had gotten in Haran. Abram chose to talk and they all went and they all came into Canaan. And then Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sitchim and the plain of Moray. And the Canaanite was then in the land. The Canaanites were then in the land and the Lord and the Lord appeared unto Abram. Abram had with him Lot, his nephew. He had Sarai, his wife. He had all the souls in Haran. But God started off talking, having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Abram. And here we see God again is having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Abram. Abram. God spoke to Abram about the specifics of the family in the earth that were with him to be blessed. He spoke to him about, he told him you, so, he, so that in a sense gave him permission if you want to take, but he didn't tell him that he just said, you're going to go. Now, Abram, you make the decision. You make the decision. So he didn't interfere with his decision to bring anyone along, but he made it clear. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. So God is making it clear. Let's be clear. When God is talking to you, he is talking to you. So any decisions you've made as for who shall be with your, with you and in your company, you made those decisions. But the one-on-one -on -one conversation that God started with you it's still the one-on-one -on -one conversation that God is having with you as he's having with Abram, as he's having, having with Abram. And the Lord appeared to Abram and he said in verse seven, um, let's see, unto thy seed, I will give this land and there builded he, Abram built, not Sarai, not his nephew, not the souls in Haran, just Abram, it says here. He built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him, to him, not those that were with them, but him, but him. So we have to be clear. We can't keep expecting God to speak to everyone we took along. We have to evaluate who we took along who we took, see, and I'm not talking, see, we have to evaluate who we took along, whether it's the spouse, whether it's a family member, whether it's the souls, like he took, like Abram took the souls that he gave to Herod, and it, we have to decide, we have to evaluate, we have to remember when God spoke the word to us, he's depending on us to carry out what he said to us now do did sarah have purpose of course she did 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 lot have purpose of course he did they have purpose because listen out of abraham and sarah his wife once their names were changed came isaac 
that made that made that made uh making him the patriarch of the Israel Israelite people and Ishmael also making him the patriot a patriot of the Arabs which was born um to Sarah's Egyptian servant Hagar and after Sarah died Abraham married again and had six more sons again extending extending his seed in the earth so there was purpose there was purpose but it wasn't Abram's purpose. Abram had his purpose. Who, who are we carrying along with us today that do not, have not, because they cannot align to purpose? Who are we carrying today because, and they, I'm sorry, who are we carrying along with us today that Seeing they cannot see, hearing they cannot understand because God is speaking to them in parables and he's talking directly to us. So they can't seem to align with purpose. See, we must make sure that they, that what we have carrying with us, it can align to purpose. Remember now we're talking station identification. We're pausing for a station identification. We're pausing. I want to go. We're pausing for station identification and we're checking our surroundings to see who and what is around us that cannot, that seeing they cannot see and hearing they cannot understand. God is speaking directly to us, but he's talking to them in parables because they made a decision. See purpose here. When we talk about aligning with purpose, purpose is often associated with identification. It's often associated with a person's identification in its definition because identification, identification is usually the action or the process of identifying someone or something or the fact of being actually identified. There are most, there are people that you know today because you know them by their purpose. You know them by what they do. Purpose provides the facts. It provides the facts being defined as the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. It is up to each individual to query, to query the purpose of what and who they allow in their life. And that begins the process of pausing for a station identification. See, Abram was able to take those he chose with him because he understood their purpose and their purpose as it related to his own. See, he was in relationship with Sarah. That was his wife. He was in relationship with Lot. That was his nephew. The souls that they had acquired in Haran, those people, they had endured themselves to him. To the point where he identified them. He had he knew exactly where they came from and he knew when they came on board. He not once expected from them what God expected of him. But he expected something. See, a direct, a direct relation to his voice and leading. A direct relation to his voice and leading. Abram had a direct connection to God's voice and leading. He had a direct connection 
Whereas we got we have to think today, who do we have around us that do not seem to have a direct connection to God's voice and to his leading? Because God's speaking to them, I'm at it again, in parables, in parables, in parables. Can't we need to find people and have people around us that have the same direct, that are having the same direct conversations with God, the same one-on-one conversations with God that we are having with God to the point where when we talk to them, they're saying something that God said to us that we didn't say to them, that we didn't say to them. See, we, it, it, it gives us, it gives us a, the part of that station identification. It gives us that identification piece. It gives us that identification piece. It tells us of their purpose because it tells us of their association with Christ. If we are unable to confirm their identity or once it confirms, it does not align with that of Christ. We must then place our purpose and identity under guard by dispelling what is contrary, just as Abram had to do with Lot. Just as Abram had to do with Lot. Abram had to understand and know when it was time to part company. He had to be mature enough to know when it was time to depart company. Genesis 13 and 5. Genesis 13 and 5. It says, now Lot, who was moving with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And we know that because Abram bought not only Lot, and it says he brought Sarah, and it says he brought the souls that he captured, and I mean, that he met in Haran, but he bought all the substance with them. Excuse me. He bought all the substance with them. So he knew that they had, but things, it, it got to a point where he said the land, verse 6 says, the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were unable to stay together. The land was unable to bear them. So they couldn't dwell together because the substance was so great. They had so much. And what ended up happening was quarreling began to happen. Arguments began to happen. Not first between Abraham, Abram and Lot, but against the herders. I mean, but with the herders. So with Abram's herders, with Lot's herders. Arguments begin to break out, not at first with Abram and Lot, but the workers. Arguments started to break out. The Canaanites and the Perizzites, they were living in the land at the same time. Nobody was arguing with them. They were arguing with each other. Excuse me. They were arguing with each other. So Abram had to go to Lot and say, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Verse 9 says, is not the whole land before you? Let's not part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So they didn't have to part angry. So when I, when I say sometimes we got to let go of people in our lives whose purpose are not the same as our purpose, perhaps their substance is too great that we, we just can't live together. 
We just can't live in the same land. The land, it just can't hold us both. That's a nice way. That's a nice way of saying, you know, <laughs> that's a nice way of saying it. Your substance is just too great for me. Let's, let's not argue. Your substance is just too great for me. It's just too great. Our substance is too great. So if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. That's a nice way. That's a nice way of saying it. See, a sure sign of differences and identity and purpose is the quarreling. Is the quarreling. And see, it's worth mentioning that in Genesis 13 and 7, the quarreling did start with the workers. That's where the quarreling started. That's where the arguing started with the herders or the servants. It started with them. They, they're trying to manage Abram's substance. They're trying to manage Lot's substance. And it just became overwhelming trying to manage the substance. It just became too much. And, the, and Abram, Abram said it so sweetly. Listen, we don't have to, we don't have to argue. Your, our substance is too great to dwell together. So if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And you know what that says to me? As, as leaders, we must pay attention. We must pay attention to dissension in the ranks. You have to pay attention to that because it gives you, it gives you information. It gives you information. It's telling you, it's, it gives you, it gives you information. It tells you, it gives you insight into the differences in, in identification. It gives you insight into the differences of identification. See, because we each have a role. We each have a role. God gives us each purpose and my purpose should work with your purpose our purposes should never collide for if our purposes collide then i simply can say as abram um, your our, your substance is too great we can't dwell in the same land so i tell you what if you go to the left i'll go to the right but let's not quarrel about it it's just that you know your substance is so great you're just so wonderful. You're so big. You're so huge. I'm being sarcastic now. I had to get it out. I'm being so sarcastic now. But you know, you're just so great. You're so great and wonderful in God. I mean, you are the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher. And I'm just the prophet. So your substance is so great that perhaps, perhaps we should separate. And you go to the left. And if you want to go to the left, I'll go, I'll go to the right. And if you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. We don't have to quarrel about this thing. We don't have to quarrel about this thing, but back to being serious. Okay. But it tells us the differences in, identif in the identification. And so, you know, we got to be clear on how the workers identify. See, because Lot's workers took, were, were Lot's workers and that identified with Lot. So they were concerned with Lot's substance. And then Abram's workers were, were, con were um, concerned about how Abram's substance was kept. So we had two different identifications going on here, and then they started to collide. Because I don't, it doesn't say the, the specifics, but it just, it just got to the point where you, Abram, I just love the way he handled it. I love the way he handled it. And um, let's go to the um, New Testament because Paul, he handled, he handled similar divisions the same, somewhat the same way in 1 Corinthians 3. And I'm going to, I'm going to skip down because the way he handled it as well, it be, it is pointed to identification, but it also pointed to, um, a lack of understanding. It pointed to seeing you see not and hearing 
you do not understand. And he says here, and um, let me see, I am in 1 Corinthians 3, and I am in verse 4. It says, for one saith, you remember this, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Why is Paul posing this question now in the middle of, you know, of the conversation? He said, because Paul is saying, Apollos and I, we're God-appointed men. In other words, he's saying, you just missed the point. Are you not carnal? You just missed the point, which takes us back, which takes us back to where we started. Seeing, you do not see. Hearing. Do not understand. Why? Because of carnality. Because of carnality. Verse 5 says, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. The key phrase is the Lord gave. The Lord gave. The Lord gave. They completely missed it. They completely, they were so stuck on the man that they never got the concept of what the men were, were pointing them to. They were trying to point them to God, but they missed that. They missed that they were being pointed to God because they were so busy serving the man that they didn't get the God that the man was pointing them to, that the man was pointing them to. So then dissension began to break out, and Paul was quick to identify it. The problem is you're saying you're of that man, carnal, and you're saying of that you're of this man, carnal, and you're saying you're of the other man, carnal. You completely missed what the men of God were pointing to you. They were pointing you to God. Now I'm going to stay in first Corinthians three, but I'm going back up to verse four, verse um, one, where he says, and I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, even as babes in Christ. So he's saying the same thing Jesus said earlier when we started out, I can't, I have to give you a parable because seeing you can't see. And because hearing, you're not understanding. So I had to speak to you as carnal. I had to speak to you as a baby. I fed, I fed you with milk. And then he says in verse 2, and not with me because you're not able to bear it. And even now, he says, even now, I'm talking to you now and you're still showing me that you can't bear it. You're still showing me your carnality, your response is telling me your carnality. Your response is telling me that hearing you cannot hear and seeing you do not understand. You do not understand. He said, I fed you with milk and not with me because you're unable to bear it. See this verse, verse four told Paul and what Paul is telling them, your response is telling me of your immaturity. Your response is telling me why I still am carrying a diaper bag with bottles for you all. It's telling me why I'm still giving you milk. It's telling me why I can't give you solid food, why I can't give you meat, 
the meat of the word, why I can't give you solid food, why I can't give you solid food, why I can't give you solid food, because you can't comprehend solidarity. You can't comprehend solidarity. You can't comprehend working with, you can't comprehend working with God. All you comprehend is working with man. You only comprehend working with man. You can't comprehend relationship. You can't comprehend relationship in your carnality because only carnality leads you to believe that you're of a man. That's what Paul is telling them rather than of God, the God that the man's been teaching you about, of teaching you about. Out of all that Paul has illustrated through his life and all that he has taught them of Christ, they still didn't understand. He showed them. He taught them, but they still didn't understand that he was trying to teach them relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and establishing that relationship. They would indeed solidify the unity of the body of Christ as displayed in their interactions with each other. But because they were unable to digest the lesson Paul was like, you are yet carnal. And how does Paul know that? Because among you, among you, another example of those that seeing, they see not and hearing, they do not understand is because there is envying, there is strife, and there is division. Every work of the flesh, every work that is carnal. He said, you walk as men. In other words, you identify with the world. You identify with the world. See, we must consider what is being played out on the stage of our lives by the actors and actresses of our lives of our lives. If we consider this, we would see that those around us and those that or that we may view on social media, they're telling us through their actions of their identity. They're telling us of whom they identify with. They're telling us we walk as men. We identify with the world or they're telling us that Seeing, we do see. And hearing, we do understand. And we would know that because their actions would align. But if their actions, if their doer does not align, then we know, no, God is not having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you. Instead, he's speaking to you in parables. He's speaking to you in parables. See, it takes confidence and mature individual to pause for station identification to evaluate, to analyze, to assess, you know, it takes a mature individual to assure that those around them are indeed of them. And, and when I say of them, of the God that they serve, of the Christ that they serve. And if not, it takes a mature individual to part company. Sweetly, sweetly, your substance is just too great. It's just, it's our, our substance is too, the land is too small. It can't hold both of us. So if you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. 
If you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. See, our weakness is in our inability to let go of and to move past what has already let go of and move past us. Our inability to let go of and move past and move past what has already, already let go of and move past us is showing our weakness. It's showing our weakness. We can be so needy of acceptance as if Christ's acceptance isn't enough. We can be so insecure as if the security that Christ provided through his blood sacrifice, our salvation isn't enough. We are so fearful as if God has not given us dominion. And the biggest, the biggest source of our ache, the biggest source of our pain, our biggest pain point can be summarized as our insecurity in our own identity, our own uncertainties about who we are, who we are and who it, it shows so much and who we allow to lead us about. It shows so much, so, so much. I see it where we're led about by every wind of doctrine rather than led by the power of God and the power of his word. All of this to say that we must pause for station identification. We must examine ourselves first, examine ourselves first and make sure that we are in the faith. So you have to remember, we attract who and what we are. Yes, we do. We attract who and what we are, not just what we show on the ins on the outside, not just by what we show on the outside, but what is on the inside. That part that we think that nobody sees that part that what we think nobody sees. Listen, if it is unclear to you, your own identification, if you really don't know, take a look around you. Take a look around you and that will give you an indication of your identity. Yeah. Examine yourself and see if you are in the faith and understand what you are allowing, what you are allowing your faith to hold you hostage to examine ourselves. We must examine ourselves to see what we've allowed, what we've allowed to attach to our own person. That is not a part of our godly identity and character. Why do we do this? Why do we need to pause for a station identification? Because we, 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 listen, let me give you a quick example. When I was younger, right? When I was younger, you know, when you're younger and you're single and you're dating or whatever, when you're dating people, they're not usually um, the people that like, they're not your brothers and sisters that you were raised in the same household with. They are, they are people that of a, are of another family are of another, you know, are of other relationships. And when you're dating as a single person, that person is going to have their own habits. They're going to have their own ways of doing things. Right. So what, what happened when I was dating was I realized that, um, when I met different people, they had different habits and different ways of doing things. And some of the ways I liked the way they were doing things. So I would adopt them as my own. I would adopt them of as my own, even though they may not have been initially habits that I came into the relationship with. 
you know, and sometimes I would adopt the habits of my own because I didn't know that that thing or that option actually existed. I didn't know that it was a thing. Like I grew up, um, old school church. You had to wear the pantyhose when you were a kid, you wore the thick white pantyhose. And then when you got older, you know, by then they had the, um, the, like the opaque pantyhose that you had to wear. But regardless, I hated wearing them. I just, they were just uncomfortable and I hated wearing them. So then as I began to date, I found, I, I dated someone that didn't wear socks. They just didn't, they were a guy that just didn't wear a sock. Well, I didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, what? I don't have to, I don't have to wear. So I'd stop wearing socks, you know, because I just didn't want to. I was, it was uncomfortable for me. So I adopted that. Now, in the meantime, you're going on and on and on. Winter comes, it's cold. You got to make a decision. Do you want to keep that habit or not? Is that a good habit to have or is that a bad habit to have? Well, anybody that knows me knows I found out that was a good habit to have because I'm always comfortable. I'm not going to wear socks. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put boots on if my legs get cold because I don't want to wear pantyhose. I don't want to do that. I'm going to put boots on, you know. But there were also other habits that I learned that I had to let go of. We learned habits like drinking, smoking. Um, there were those, those kind of habits. I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. Is this excessive, excessive drinking or excessive smoking? Is that going to be a habit that I want to take with me? And also I had, I had this, I was always very analytical. So I had this thing where I felt like if the relationship is over, then I must divorce myself from the relationship, which means anything that came with it has to go. Cause I can't let that person have any part in me as I go on, as I mature. So especially bad habits, I would, I was definitely like, shoot, cut that off because I'm not, I felt like it was the person controlling a part of my life as I continued on, especially with bad habits, especially with bad habits. So I be, so I'm saying that to give you an example of in the natural having relationships around you that you have to discern how they impact your life. And can that thing that you pick up is a good thing that helps you to grow in God or grow as a human being or is it a thing that um a drink today turns and turns you into an alcoholic tomorrow because that's your weakness because that that comes to be as you learn your weakness so you have to decide that's the natural well the same considerations just like in the natural have to be given spiritually they have to be given towards the spiritual regarding your identification, just like in the natural. There will be things and people that you meet that will impact you naturally, impact your identification. They could take you down a road that can be detrimental, that seems small now, but could grow into something that can kill you. Those habits have to go because they could destroy your identity. They can destroy your purpose. And the example I gave you, I'm saying apply that spiritually. What habits have you picked up by those around you that are not habits that lead you, that provoke you to good works? But instead, but instead they are habits that make, that take away 
from you spiritually, that take away from your spiritual identification. See, if we're going to allow the flesh to dictate, we have to understand that if there is immaturity in Christ, immaturity will be around you. It will be around you. So we're talking spiritual example now, just like I gave you the example naturally. If we got to take it the opposite when we're thinking about spiritual, our spiritual identification, that if if there is immaturity, if there is immaturity in you, in you, in you, and you're comfortable with it, then it's somewhere around you making you comfortable, making you feel like it's okay to be that way. If there is fear, then fear will be nearby, making you feel like fear is okay. It will soothe your fear. It will complement your fear. If arrogance, pride, lying is around you, it will make you feel as if arrogance, pride, and lying is okay. It will soothe you, all of which are detrimental to your spiritual life. So what around you, what around you, if it grows in you, if it grows, if it grows around you and in you can be detrimental to you spiritually. Or better yet, look at this. What around you can keep you stuck in that immature state? What around you can keep you stuck? So you're working it backwards there. What around you can keep you fearful? As See, when we have that around us, you have to understand, it's your means of validation. It's validating your fear. It's validating your hypocrisy. It's validating your lying. It's valid. You don't, listen, the, the scriptures always talk about iron sharpening iron. And I always look for that. I don't look for things or people to be around me that make the bad things in me comfortable. Because those things are meant to grab you and hold you still and leave you stuck and leave you stuck. The Bible says it like this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It leavens the whole lump. So it is worth it to to evaluate what feeds your arrogance around you. What feeds your pride around you? Because God doesn't like haughty spirits. It it's worth it to look around look around you and see what lets you know it's okay that you lie because God hates a lying spirit. He didn't say, I'll deal with it until you get delivered. He said, no, I hate it. I hate it. So what around you makes you comfortable? What what makes you comfortable being you? What makes you comfortable being in that fleshly state, in that carnal state? Because that's something that you need to get rid of. You need to get what's around you that's going to challenge you to mature. That's going to call you on all your special activities. That's going to call you on it. You need that around you. You need that around you. You need it around you. Listen, it's like, it's like in Proverbs 22 and six, where it says train up the child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. You have to consider what you train them in. What did you train them in that they won't depart from it? It's the same way as, as individuals in Christ, we are Christ's child. We are a child of God. 
We are growing every day. So what do we have around us that we're allowing to train us? Because guess what? Whatever we're allowing it to train us in, we're not going to depart from far from it. We're not going to depart far from it. We're not going to depart far from it. So we have to be careful of what we allow in our lives and around our lives. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm simply saying that we have to take a moment. We have to take a moment and we have to pause for a station identification. We have to pause to evaluate evaluate what exactly we are allowing to be around us. See station, when we think of station, we have to think of it as the act of standing. We have to think of it as the attitude or the pose, our posture. We have to think of it as our standing, even when we're at rest, even when we're at rest, it's that place that place where anything stands. We have to consider that. We have to consider that. When we think about our identity, we have to consider what God created us to be, his likeness, his image. We have to consider that. We have to consider what God created us to be and what we have around us that may be moving us from the image that God created us to be. So we must pause for a station identification. We must pause to evaluate where we're standing and the image that we have around where we're standing. Pause to understand where we stand and the imagery we have around us, the image we have around us so that it does not subtract so that it does not subtract from the image of God that he's created us to be. Amen. Amen. I thank you for joining me today. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you today that you brought us to a pause. You brought us to a pause for station identification. You brought us to a pause that we can pause in our posture where we stand and that we can examine not only ourselves, but what is around us and assure that it remains in the image that you have created us in, which is your image. We must pause, God. We thank you for allowing us this opportunity opportunity that we should pause God and see God and and clearly see and and revert and have that conversation with you to understand to understand and to see and to hear what thus saying the what thus says the Lord. We pause and we make sure, God, that we are not being spoken to in a parable. We pause and make sure that those around us are not those who are seeing cannot see and that are hearing do not understand because you are not speaking one-on-one -on -one to them. They are receiving you as if a parable, God. And we thank you 
oh God, that you thought enough of us to pause us in our posture, in our present place, in our current circumstance, God, before you bless us, God, before you, God, put us out to the world to rebuild, God, that which you have torn down, God, to build, God, afresh your kingdom in the earth realm, to reassure your witness in the earth realm. We thank you, oh God, that you have caused us to pause, God, that we might rid out of our presence that which is not of you, that we might rid out of our presence, God, that which has altered our mindset, that which has altered our created being, that which has altered our hearing, that which has altered, God, our heart. We thank you, oh God, that you have brought us to this place of pause, God, where you, God, can clean us up of filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, where you can perfect holiness in us, where you can fix our eyes once again as a flit of your promises, on your promises, God. God, that our conversations with you can once again return to yay and nay, God, and not that God of rebuke, God. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, oh God, for giving us this moment, this moment of pause, this moment of God, where we can examine our faith and examine God, the face of those that are around us to make sure that they, God, are indeed of, of the same faith, that they are indeed still of the created being that you have created us in your likeness and image and that their heart has not turned and that their mind has not turned. Help your people today, God, to let go of that which is foreign, let go of the antichrist, to let go of that which is not of you and that which does does not profess you. Help us today, God, to let go, God, of those whose door is broken, God, who are activated in the kingdom of Satan and who are building up the kingdom of Satan. Help, God, your people, God, open the eyes of your people, God, so that seeing they will see, so that hearing they will understand if they choose, if they choose, if they choose, if they choose. If they choose, I send my voice out now internationally over the airwaves, God, so that your people, oh God, so that your people, I cause your people, God, those that do will to see, those that do will to hear, and those that do will to understand. I cause your blood-covered hedge of protection, your blood-covered hedge of protection to now go around their eyes, their ears, their heart so that seeing they will see, and so that hearing they will understand. And I cause a blood-covered hedge of protection to be around them so that the enemy cannot infiltrate, cannot infiltrate their very being, their very core of their belief. I cause your blood-covered hedge of protection, God, to now surround them. Angels surround and protect that which is God's property, that which is committed to the promises of God, to that that is committed to the ways of God, to that which is committed to the building of God, to that which is the remnant of God, to the true leaders, to the true leaders. I cause a blood-covered hedge of protection to be around you now. 
I cause your mind to come to peace now. The blood of Jesus covers your mind. A blood-covered hedge of protection around your ear gates now. I cause, I cause your mind to be at rest now. To rest in the peace of God. In the name of Jesus, I cause your hands to be strengthened now. In the name of Jesus, I cause your feet, your feet to be shod now with the preparation of the gospel. And I cause your guards to be tightened now around your heart. In the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus protects you now. Angels surround the course of the I cause those vulnerable places now in the hearts of the true leaders of God to be sealed with the blood of Jesus. In the name of the Lord God, I cause the true people of God, the believers of God, your hurt, your, your bereavement now to be, to be in the hands of God and rest and be hidden under the wings of God where you will be protected during this time of your lives. The blood of Jesus prevails. The blood of Jesus prevails. The blood of Jesus prevails and protects you now. In Jesus' name I pray. The breath of God surrounds you. The breath of God cover you. The breath of God breathe fresh life into you now. In Jesus' name, I pray. I thank you for listening tonight. 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 God bless you and God keep you. If you'd like to sow a seed, please sow a seed to Marie Elizabeth on Cash App, on PayPal. And I thank you so much for your listening ear and your sowing that allows this podcast to be broadcast to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much. God bless you and God keep you. God bless you and God keep you.